here we are, another edition of the Commitment Issues podcast from a hotel room. We finally are together in person, me and Rob Cassidy, quickly turning into you and my, uh, you and my podcast only here. Maybe we can get Woody on a later edition, a uh, later segment of things right now. Maybe he'll call in later. We have no idea where he is. He could be <laughs> wandering the streets of Dallas, Texas right now. We don't know where he's be, at. Be safe out there, Wilbank. For now, right right now, it's me and and Rob Cassidy, and we've got plenty to talk about here. A very exciting edition of the show. And what else would we start with but UFC 200? <laughs> of course. <laughs> Why not? Your favorite and mine, the beast, Brock Lesnar, comes in, defends his, his moniker, his reputation. I'd say thoroughly dominated his fight against whoever that other guy was. Yeah, yeah. He beat up some loser, some some fat loser with bleach blonde hair. So, but you know, here's here's what gets me. So I don't know much about UFC, obviously, but I was excited as a wrestling fan, as you are, uh, when Brock was going to have a real fight, and I tweeted something out about how excited I was, and I got no less than twenty UFC fans jump in my mentions to tell me how this guy is going to knock Brock Lesnar out in the first round, and it's going to be a thirty second fight. Oh boy, <laughs> the professional wrestler <laughs> for, for the for the business that you and I are in, which which is largely looking at looking at kids, teenagers, or whatever. They show up at a camp, an event, or whatever, and we and we see them looking like a million bucks or looking like a bunch of schlubs, and then we and then we decide what their college future is going to be. <laughs> sure, you know it's a very exact science. When those two guys showed up into the ring, and Brock Lesnar is looking like a lean, mean fighting machine, and the other guy looks like he just got done drinking a six pack of beer on the beach and came. <laughs> yeah, Brock showed up looking like a five star, and the other guy showed up looking like a future frat guy yeah. that maybe plays in a murals. <laughs> Boy. And the fight played out as such, and Brock did everything. And it was so funny because you and me were watching the fight, and we were like, hit him in the face. And Brock hit him in the face. Yeah, it was like, I mean, we were coaching him up. We were watching the other UFC fights, and it's like leaning, headlocks, whatever, resting on each other. Brock really got after it, and that's what we wanted to see. Boy, and one thing before we leave this topic behind, how about that guy in the bathroom after the fight that refused, refused to acknowledge that Brock was a professional wrestler? Like, there was a guy that had obviously been living under a rock, but hasn't seen UFC, obviously. Oh, yeah. That one guy was awesome. And he was like, yeah, he's a college wrestler. He's a college wrestler. Like, yeah. If, he would have lost, if Brock would have lost that fight, he would have gone straight to, oh, he's just a pro Yep, exactly. But no, man, that guy did not want to, uh, that guy didn't want to have that conversation. Yeah. But I should have turned around and said something to him. But, you know, it's so high tension at those places. You get a bunch of tattooed, angry dudes. You full of full of booze. Then you put fights on the screen. It was really, it and was, then, I mean, there are always fights in the crowd. It was right? really touch and go there. There were some, pe- some people there in the crowd. That, hey, Christy is in Dallas. So, you know, we should give him a shout out for hosting us. No cover to watch the UFC. No, it was great. I mean, good service, good waitresses. But, you know, there were guys with tribal tattoos trying to punch each other's faces in. But, hey, besides that, it was a wonderful time. So many tribal tattoos. Okay, so now getting into the uh, topic that you guys are presumably listening to this podcast for. Let's talk a little bit about recruiting. Some big moves in LSU yesterday, and I guess I'll start by uh, mentioning the big, more immediate news. Four-star Grant Delpit, who you'll be dealing with in the future. He's a recent mm-hmm. transfer to IMG Academy. Uh, committed at the opening to LSU. I think that's not a move that surprised a lot of people. I thought there was a small chance that Clemson had a chance of uh, you know getting that commitment, but he was LSU all along. Things play out the way that they've expected, and, uh, you know, Boy, LSU, another 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 defensive back commitment for a school that's always in the hunt for that coveted DBU trophy. Uh, what's your level of excitement for seeing Grant Delpit at IMG going forward? Yeah, well, you know, IMG is going to IMG. You know, I mean, it's just all these dudes that come from your guys' region show up, and then I have to build a relationship with them. It's tough because they show up late, and like, who are you? You know, I'm the Florida sure. guy, you know. I'm more impressed with LSU 
just the way everything unfolded last year and how they pretty publicly wanted to fire their coach. Yeah. And these kids are still committing. So there must be some kind of vote of confidence. And, you know, I, I really think that was a whole stupid ordeal. I don't think that Les Miles should have ever been on the hot seat. But when you make that move and that leaks out there, usually you would think that that would impact recruiting. Like People would be kind of skittish about going to LSU. That doesn't look like that's been the case. Uh, somehow Les seems firmly entrenched, even though he was within a quarter of being fired <laughs> a year ago, and, and kids are you know responding right now. This recruiting class that he's putting together so far this year, I'm much more impressed with already in the early going than what he had uh, last year. And I think the thing that cinched the commitment for uh, Grant Delpit, if it was in his specific case, if it was ever in doubt, was the recent commitment of uh, Jamon Osbin, the wide receiver who's from Texas and also IMG. from the IMG Academy <laughs> too. So, you know, those two, those two guys visited Auburn together. Um, on a whim, you know, he, you know, Delta joined him at Auburn and picked up an Auburn, Auburn offer. Uh, but, you know, it, it was, I guess it was always LSU for, for those two guys and uh, they follow each other there. And so that's a good, that's a good duo of pickups for them. But, uh, you know, another good recruiting class in the making, I think, for LSU. You mentioned Auburn and, you know, I kind of wanted to touch on them and, and what's kind of happening over there. You know, they get a commitment from Nick Brahms, the offensive lineman from Florida, who was kind of a guy that came out of nowhere this offseason, dominated the camp circuit, is a four star on, I think, every site now. Uh, you know, that's a good pickup for them. But the bigger news, and I guess not really news, the bigger rumor, at least around the camps around here this weekend, is that they're taking a hard look at Jared Stidham, the quarterback that transferred out of Baylor. And maybe he's going there. It seems like he's probably going there. But the larger issue is, it whispers, is that they're looking at putting Art Riles, the former and half-disgraced Baylor head coach, into some position. <laughs> I mean, I don't, know, I don't know how you sum that up, you know, without the Baylor fans coming out with pitchforks. But, I mean, boy, if that is true, and I've heard it from multiple people now, you've got to put him at some lower role. You know, I understand why, but, boy, the public backlash for that is going to be tough. Like, I don't know if you can do that. That is a very, very tasty rumor, Rob Cassidy. It is. Let's All right, so let's break this down into segments here. First, let's talk about the impact of Brahms right away because we know that is hard news. That is something that, that is happening, yes. And we saw him in person at the New Orleans camp of the uh, Rivals Camp Series. And I, I thought he was, you know, obviously Alex Leatherwood was there, but I thought Nick Brahms was just as impressive as any other offensive lineman that was there. Yeah, I think the performance, you know, he's right next to Alex Leatherwood, the Alabama committed, you know, Rivals 100 player that, you know, is on the cusp of five stars, uh, but a high four star for right now. He was right next to him. They're good friends. The performances were equal. I think the only thing that sets Leatherwood apart is the build and the strength and, you know, the more physical tools. But, you know, every, that day... Brahms was every bit as good. I didn't know really much about him until he showed up. And he showed up and dominated. You know, he's a big, strong kid, fast kid, mm -hmm. uh, too, for his size. You know, he's got real athletic feet. You know, he's got a frame to add more, too. So I think it's going to be interesting. I mean, I think that's a really good get for Auburn. Uh, pulling a kid out of Florida that had a million other options. You know, he blew up right after that camp. Sure. And I, I thought he was very good at other camps uh, that we had seen him at uh, over the course of the spring as well. So just a really consistent player. Uh, I think, you know, when you talk about... I think maybe the most next possible thing that we're talking about in these things that we've all been discussing with Auburn is probably the transfer of Jared Stidham because that seems like a more likely thing than Bryles at this point, uh, just because... Yeah, I, I really, for the record, I really don't think they can do it. You know, do I think they're looking at it? I mean, not usually when they're... Well, supposed... Stid Stidham, Stidham... In, in yeah, himself. no, they can, yeah, they, Stidham in himself is a great... And Auburn would love to have a quarterback. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, they're going to need one coming you know, in. They thought they had Kellen Mond in this class, mm -hmm. too, and, you know, and Stidham, what, what was he, a sophomore like? You know, you'd have to sit out a year, you know, he's not going to come in and make an impact this year. But, you know, this is a kid that we all saw, we all loved, we were all... I mean, he fit in that Baylor offense pretty well. 
But, you know, you've got to find with the situation there, you've got to find greener pastures. And I think he fits in Auburn. I mean, maybe he's not going to be throwing as often at Auburn, but I mean, he's an accurate guy that can sit back and get the ball to playmakers in space. And there's no shortage of those at Auburn. You know, he's extremely accurate. He's got a pretty big arm too. And maybe not, maybe not enough is made out of that. You know, he's thought of as kind of this drop back guy that can, you know, hit targets over the middle, but he can go downfield too. So that would be big. And, and that would be a big get for Auburn. But now let's talk to, let's talk about the big fish. Obviously you talked about the, uh, the outside implications of our Brahels coming uh, to that coaching staff, but as a, as a coach, let's talk about him singularly as a coach coming in and uh, making an impact on the coaching staff at Auburn. You know, well, they'd have to put him. They can't put if this rumor is true. They can't put him in a role where he's going to be coaching. Like they're going to have to find an offensive quality assistant. I, I just don't think with <laughs> with what's going on publicly that you can make that move. So you know, I think maybe you put him in somewhere else, somewhere lower, maybe some kind of like. I don't know, on-campus <laughs> on campus recruiting role. But I, I don't think you can have him in a public place where you're going to subject him to the media at some point and, and he's just going to get roasted. And so is your program. Do you think, do you think from, a, from a coaching perspective, though, he, he is the type of person that could come into a coaching staff regardless and make an immediate impact? And, and Yeah, if you're going to let him coach, I mean, I think that's been, I mean, what he did with Baylor is nothing short of miraculous. I mean, he's obviously a very good football coach. I'm not going to weigh in on what kind of person I think he is. Um you know, but just X's and O's, yeah. I think he'd go into any culture staff in the country and make a difference. The, recru- the recruits that I've talked to about uh, our brows all have very positive things to say about their relationship with him and how disappointed yeah. they were. I mean, you, you know, without going too much into the subject again, this you know, dead horse at this point. Uh, outside of that, I mean, you know, he if, if you talk about his relationship with recruits and, and the way uh, kids felt about him and what he can do as a coach. You know, he's as good a hire as anybody, I guess, in the country. I mean, you, you really just are, are weighing out the moral aspect. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's one of those things out there where, you know, there's nothing really to compare it to. I mean, everybody wanted to hire Jim Tressel when he got fired. And obviously with Bryles, it's a different situation. You know, there's a difference between paying players and what Bryles stands to have ignored. Um which, you know, is really, really bad. I think that, I mean, what he, <laughs> I really think that it, you've got to at least wait a couple of years. I don't think, I don't think he's employable right now, which was, took me off guard. When I heard it once, I was like, eh, you know, this can't be true. And then when I heard it a second time yesterday at Neon Sanders' camp that we were at, I was like, wow, I wonder if they're really going to try to do this. And if you're a Bryles too, like, wouldn't you, like, why would you want to get right back into coaching either after all this? Why, why wouldn't you want to take some time and, like, I, I mean, it, it's sort of like a forced vacation, but, I mean, why would you want to put yourself back in the public spotlight, you know, for the sake of coaching football? I, I can't, for all the things that I love to do, if I was a lightning rod in the thing, in, yeah. in the, one of the things that I love to do, I would have no problem saying, like, hey. Especially you know, if I had, a, you know, I had the money to just step away, right? Sure. Like, I think he probably does. So, I mean, we should probably move on, though, because this is, you know, it's a tough situation to deal with. <laughs> and who knows if it's even true? Well, I mean, it could be like, you know, this could be some rumor that, that started that came from the same source and circled back around twice. And maybe, could, maybe they're not even looking at doing that. Yeah, yeah, and we, yeah, sure. Well, you, you brought up the, uh, the Deion Sanders camp that we were at yesterday. It's been a busy weekend for me and, uh, and for you, too. I was at the state 7-on-7 seven seven tournament here in Texas. I uh, immediately boogied on up here to Dallas for Deion Sanders' camp, and Deion is a you know, close, close favorite of your, yours and mine. <laughs> uh, but, but a small camp, you know, similar to the Elite 50 that we see with the, uh, the Under Armour All-American game. No linemen involved, uh, just a passing camp. But I had a great time watching it. It was a lot of good players there. It's always fun. It's mostly an underclassman camp. Mm-hmm. So I think there was one 2017 player. Everybody else was 2018 or 2019. Um, you know, it's a good time. It's small. 
Uh, I kind of wanted to touch on one of the campers there because it's starting to become one of the situations where everybody, Al Blades, who is a high four-star 2018, was committed to Miami. Obviously, Betty Blades is uncle and his father, Al Blades Sr. And, you know, there's some strong ties there. Now he's doing this thing where everybody thinks he's going to recommit to Miami, but he's doing the Stanford Samuels thing uh -huh. where it's like, well, Florida State, and if you recall, Stanford Samuels, who has strong family ties to Florida State, did this, well, Michigan thing. Yeah. It, it's just not happening. Like He tried to do it yesterday, and I'm sure he likes Florida State. He's going to visit Florida State. And I had his coaches telling me that he's going to go to Florida State. It, no, it, there's just no way. Like, I just can't see it. I mean, you want to talk about a recruiting coup, but this is something recruits are doing now. Like If they have strong ties and it seems very obvious where they're going, they will just intentionally find a school and be like, oh, you know, I'm really, I'm not even into Miami. I like Florida State. You know, he changes his Twitter picture to him in a Florida State hat, which of course sends the Miami fans into, you know, a tizzy <laughs> and they're yelling and screaming at him. And, you know, he's, he, he knows what he's doing. He's one of the smartest kids, you know, that, that you'll deal with. You know, he's just trolling people. It's, you love El Blaze. Yeah, he's great. I, but just to play devil's advocate, though, uh, Florida State does do an all right job of coming, dipping into that South Florida area every once in a while. Absolutely. And if he had any other last name, I would. I would probably say Florida State's the favorite. I mean, there's a lot more reasons to go to Florida State right now, uh, the way that program is, than to go to Miami. Um, but that last name, there's just too much. I mean, it's just when you grow up the way he grew up, every time I see this kid, he's wearing some kind of like, he may be wearing the Florida State hat, but he's got like a Miami keychain or a Miami <laughs> debit card if he's paying something for you. I mean, it's just like, come on, man. I've actually heard a story from his seven on seven coach who is in my boat here. And I guess they stopped at a gas station on the way to a tournament. And he was giving a seven on seven coach this whole spiel too about, you know, I don't think I'm going to Miami. I think I'm going to Florida State. And this is a line at a gas station. And as soon as he's telling him all about these other schools, he's paying the, the cashier with his Miami yeah. Miami University debit card. So, you know, I don't know. I just, recruits are doing this now, and it's annoying. They have uh, the right to do it, obviously, and it makes things exciting. But come on now. Well, we, we're not doing a any, any sort of top performers uh, or anything like that coming out, of, coming out of events anymore because we know that the audience demands recruiting updates. So that's what we're going to give them. <laughs> Absolutely. So, that, but but if we were to do a top performers list from that camp, Al Blades, you know, probably would be in there for the defense. Yeah, I think he was good. He won the. Uh, I think he won the defensive back MVP that the coaches give out at the mm -hmm. end of the camp. He's just, you know, he's he's an impressive kid, you know, with the frame and everything else. And you know, there were some other guys there. I liked. I thought Sean Shivers did a nice job in Florida. Woefully undersized running back, but might be one of the fastest players in the country. He's looking at Georgia and West Virginia. Um, you know, I, there were, I think there was a lot of talent there. From a Texas perspective, I thought uh, Brendan Eagles at wide receiver was very good. Oh, you know what? Let's talk about let's talk about LSU one more time and talk about Devonta Jason, uh, who's a recent decommitment from LSU, but part of a was part of a vaunted uh, twenty eighteen class uh, for for LSU at the moment, but just came out of nowhere. He blindsided us with his decommitment <laughs> yesterday. Um, yeah, you guys had talked to him, or you or Woody had talked to him in the morning about how much he loved LSU, right? I, I didn't talk to him yesterday about that because that was, yeah, that was that was Woody's situation. But yeah, he was definitely, you know, beating the drum for LSU. Lo and behold, something happened along the way between lunch and dinner <laughs> that made him say, you know what, forget LSU, it's not for me. He's a really good receiver, too. I mean, he was at our underclassman challenge, did very well uh, there, but I think was even better at the Prime 21 camp uh, yesterday. And and LSU's really missing out on a kid if they can't if they can't find a way to get him to recommit uh, an in-state prospect. I think you know 
they're they're missing a chance with him. Well, I'd like to hear that story. And you know, it probably is a boring story. It's probably just, you know, hashtag teenagers whims. Yeah. But I mean I, I kinda hope something wild happened, right? Like because man, the way Woody tells it is he was really excited about LSU at about nine o'clock in the morning <laughs> by yeah. like what, five at night, it yeah. was like, nah. I, I didn't see what kind of debit card Devontae Jason is actually Yeah, using. nah, that's why you're lost. They, they see, this is where you, you've only been on the job for a while now being an analyst. Yeah. You really need to learn to start asking to see these kids' debit cards. Yeah, I think yeah. that's, that's really what it comes down yeah. to. Well, you know, first and foremost, I'm trying to make sure that when I ask them for a phone number, they actually have a working phone that I can contact them with. Yeah, the debit cards come later. The debit cards come later after the fact, so... All right, so maybe an abbreviated uh, version of the Commitment Issues podcast, but I think we touched on some pretty good uh, Commitment Issues here. Hey, <laughs> it's, it's, I see what you did there. It's, it's 9.35 in the morning. We were up way too late last night. I, I will say I woke up this morning to find a half half full bottle of Voss water, and I, it was like manna from heaven. I was like... Boy, we've really been doing the bidding of Voss. I'll tell you what. They they put these things on sale, two for five dollars, and now I'm just on it, man. It's the only kind of water I drink. Every other water is for fat losers. <laughs> Brock Lesnar drinks Voss water. That other guy, Mark Hunt, drinks Sulphur Springs water, or whatever they give you for free in the hotel room. Alright, an abbreviated version of Commitment Issues. Thanks for listening. I'll Commitment Issues sponsored by Boss Water. Yeah, I'm going to go out and try and find Woody Womack. And if I find him, I'll put him on the mic. And uh, no promises there. But otherwise, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Oh, he just texted. Oh, there he is. What do you have to say? He says, should I get up or keep sleeping? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just tell him to sleep. Yeah, tell him to sleep. Well, sleep. I'll, I'll, I'll talk to him later. Alright, thanks for listening.